Welcome to Total Life Fitness, and I'm your host, Luke Briggs. On this show, we understand it's more than just fitness, it's your life. We'll share strategies to help you lose weight, gain muscle, build confidence, and live your best life. If you enjoy the podcast, we ask that you please subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review, and share it with a friend. Now, let's get on to the show. Today, I'm excited to have Josiah Novak on the podcast. He's a father, husband, and successful business owner running the True Transformation online fitness coaching program, specializing in helping men with his 3M fat loss system. Josiah has developed a strong presence on social media, amassing 268,000 followers or subscribers across his five main platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. He has 114,000 followers just on his Facebook personal profile, which is the most followers on a personal profile I've personally ever seen. And I don't know if you've seen any of Josiah's content, but he stays absolutely shredded at 37 years old. But it hasn't always been this way for him. Josiah started his own fitness journey, 65 pounds overweight, and in his own words, 100% uncomfortable in his own skin. He made it his life's mission to help people change their lives for the better. It's an absolute privilege to have him on. Josiah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Luke. I appreciate you having me, man. That was an awesome intro. So I'm excited to deliver for your people, brother. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I know today everyone sees you as this ripped dude, successful in many areas of your life, but I know it wasn't always that way. There's always a struggle and a journey leading up to it. So let's just start from the beginning. What were things like for you growing up, maybe when you're in middle school, high school, just in general as a kid? Growing up, my life, if I could describe it in a word, was chaotic. I'm the oldest of six kids. And growing up, I was a, uh, the oldest boy, you know, too. And I had three younger sisters, two younger brothers. It went boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. We were literally the Brady Bunch in real life. Uh, my dad was Navy. And so we moved every two years. So every two years, I was making new friends, leaving old friends, crying my eyes out, driving away from our house, wondering how is life this crazy? My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I was actually homeschooled uh, most of my life. And my dad was gone pretty much every day from 5 a.m. till 6 p.m. at night. And then at times was gone for weeks at a time overseas or wherever the Navy would send him. So needless to say, growing up, I needed some kind of anchor in my life. And for many years in my life, sports was that anchor. Um, I remember baseball being my, my saving grace and also not just baseball, but just being in the backyard, pretending to be every athlete you can imagine from Michael Jordan to Bo Jackson, to King Griffey Jr. To all the guys in our, you know, youth that were people I idolized growing up because I had very little else that was consistent in my life. So as I grew older, I started to have this general feeling that something wasn't normal in my family. Part of it was because I had access to friends that had parents who were more involved in their life or at least had a healthy relationship with them. My dad, at, which I found later on, was a, a functional alcoholic, <laughs> as, as I describe it now. My mom had gone through a lot uh, in her youth, and she was also dealing with a lot of trauma that had happened to her. And so Oftentimes, she would take out some of her frustrations on us. So there's a lot of verbal abuse from my mom um, and a lot of physical abuse from my dad. For a long time, I thought it was normal. Like It was just how I lived my life. But I remember kind of living in fear of my father and almost having a, a distaste for my mother. <laughs> it was like, I wanted nothing to do with her and I wanted to hide from my dad. And I realized as I got older that this was just because of the the abuse and the chaos that was happening in our home. Because when you're the oldest of six, first of all, there's never a quiet moment in your home. And when your dad's an alcoholic and your mom is a verbal <laughs> assailant, um, it was it was just constant battles in my home. So as I grew older, sports was the centerpiece of my life. Uh, I played baseball all through high school. I went to college on a baseball scholarship. And when I was in my later to mid-teens, uh, my parents actually got a divorce. My mom had had enough. Uh, as you can imagine, when you're a family of six, a divorce is not something 
that you see very often. In fact, people would always ask me like, are you Mormon? Like, are you like Catholic? What is your, like, you guys must be something religious because you have six kids. I was actually Christian growing up. Um, but my parents got a divorce and it was like a shockwave through not just my life, but my siblings lives, our family, our extended family. It was a big deal. And so I found myself once again, needing something to hold on to. And I started working out around that time. It was my escape from the chaos that was happening in my home. I would literally run to a local gym. We called it the rec center. It was like a half a mile from my house. I would just jog there as like a 13, 14 year old kid. My mom had a membership for us. So we would go there. I would work out in their little, in the little gym. It's basic, but it had everything I needed to start learning how to train. And I remember probably around like 15, 16 years old, I I really started to take it serious. Uh, I was actually, because of being homeschooled, I was put into an older grade when I started public school. I started public school uh, in later years of middle school, as they call it, seventh, eighth grade timeframe. But my mom put me in ahead of where I should have been because I tested in because she was, she was actually a great teacher. Shout out to my mom for being an amazing uh, amazing teacher for me growing up. So I tested into uh, seventh grade at the time when I was supposed to be starting sixth grade. So I was a year ahead. And what I found out once again later in my high school years is that I was a little undersized for my age because I was just, you know, I was a senior when I was probably supposed to be a junior. And so I was like the you know, youngest, not smallest necessarily, but like just on the smaller end, especially my junior year in high school. And I remember in baseball one year, we had lost in the state championship in my junior year. And a buddy of mine said, Hey, Josiah, like you're going into your senior year next year. You know, you need to like get big. <laughs> it's like, you need to be a leader on the team. You need to be like one of the bigger guys. So I was pretty skinny back then. I was like, okay. And so I took that to heart as Michael Jordan says in the meme, like I took that personal. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm going to go hard in the gym. So I started getting real serious around like 15, 16 years old. And I hit the weight so hard that I came back for my senior year. Keep in mind, my my home life was just a wreck. Um, I was living in the gym. I was living at the baseball field or in school. If I wasn't playing baseball, lifting weights or in school, like you probably would have thought I was dead because I was guaranteed to be doing one of those three things. And I came back for my senior year and I gained 25 pounds, believe it or not. So I went from uh, 175 to like 200 pounds my senior year. So everybody started accusing me of steroids. Now I hadn't touched any of any of that stuff. I had just literally worked out eating like a crazy person and taking creatine at the time, but I fell in love with working out most importantly. And I realized that working out had the power to change how I felt about myself. So I was hooked, man. Like working out was my thing. I was like, I actually liked working out more than I like playing baseball. <laughs> so when I went to college, I remember I went there to play baseball, but the first thing I did when I got on campus was I found the weight room and I started lifting weights. And like, I was just, I was so much more dedicated to the weight room than I was baseball. And at the time it's funny. And, you know, looking back, I remember being like really torn, you know, at the time, because baseball players aren't really known, at least they weren't back then for being like super big. Unless you were like the Mark McGuire's or like the Sammy Sosa's who were taking loads of steroids And, you know, getting so big at the time, it was like kind of weird to be living in the weight room as a baseball player. You kind of did the bare minimum. And then the rest of the time was spent on the field or in the batting cage or whatever. So anyway, I remember feeling really torn in my early college years because I had this like really strong pull towards fitness and I was getting pulled away from baseball. And it almost was like I had to make a choice, right? I was like just not as dedicated to baseball anymore but I was all in on fitness. So fate intervened, of course, and I got hurt. I actually kept having repetitive injuries, partially torn rotator cuffs, knees were starting to hurt, a lot of things going on, which required me to get into the weight room to rehab more. And eventually I just got burned out. I was like, I'm not, I saw the writing on the wall. I'm not, I'm not going to become a pro despite the childhood dreams that I had of being a pro baseball player. College was where this road ended for me, but I felt like a new chapter was starting. And so in college, I became a personal trainer and I got into fitness through that avenue. And just to fast forward for a quick second, and then we can continue on. But what's crazy is that I got hired by a guy named Don Scales. And 
this was my first ever fitness position. I got hired in the local, not even local, but it was an in-campus gym where students could come work out and also get training and get instructions on how to lift. And I got hired as a trainer, first ever fitness job. That same guy, Don, this past year became my client online. Crazy. So fast forward, let me see how many years, almost, let's see, 2005. Yeah, so we're talking quite a while. 17, 18 years, yeah. Yeah, 17, 18 years later, the guy who got me my first job in fitness and started my career became one of my clients. And not to mention, he became one of my best clients. Like he is like the poster child now, one of the poster childs for our transformation program, which is just insane. Anyway, so that was how things started. Fitness was a passion of mine because of chaos in my life. It was an anchor for me. It was a saving grace. It was a safe area. It was a guarantee when there was a lot of uncertainty going on. It was something I knew I could rely on when I couldn't rely on my parents. Felt really alienated by my peers in a lot of ways because I was going through a a divorce as a child. Felt kind of like a loser, to be honest. But the gym, I never felt that way. And I started getting attention from people, both male and female, where I was like, you know, the guys started to be like, oh, what's your workout routine? And the girls were like, damn, like, you know, you really got, <laughs> you got in shape, like, yeah. want to talk to you, right? Because like, you're, you're putting out the alpha vibes or, or whatever. But it was just a, a really interesting way to start. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, fitness is the lowest hanging fruit to improving areas of your life because it will give you that, that stable resource that you're looking for that's not where the journey ends obviously but that's where it starts and i'm happy to keep sharing yeah wow i mean quite quite a story there obviously you know a little bit of a troubled childhood in many ways of you know the home life not being quite where you want it to be and and you using fitness kind of as your your centerpiece and i I find that tends to be the the story with a lot of people getting into fitness is you know when other things aren't going maybe the way that you want it you kind of use fitness as that centerpiece so you got into fitness, you know, in kind of in college, you know, in your early twenties. So where do you go from there? So you're into fitness now. Um, I know there's a, there's a story beyond this, uh, where you gained some weight. So how did, how did it kind of get to that? Yeah. Back in those days, it's crazy to say back in the day, cause I feel like it wasn't that long ago, but with the rapid technology that we've seen put in place and the access to information, those were kind of the caveman days <laughs> right. where you didn't have the YouTubes, you didn't have anything really but bodybuilding magazines. There were some forums on the internet uh, that I used to kind of frequent and learn things from and share information in, but a lot of the resources were just books and magazines. So back then, the only thing I really had to go on was Arnold's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. That was like a big like resource that I got, and I'll pass it on to my kids. This is a classic timepiece item, but I started following bodybuilder style workouts and also diets and in all fairness, I mean, these guys didn't know what they didn't know. Right. And there was this misconception back then you had to have one of two paths that to, to choose from. Basically one was eat really boring, bland calorie controlled meals, six, seven times a day, trying to get as lean as humanly possible or you basically had to eat as much as humanly possible and try to bulk up. So there was a couple of things that happened to me in my early twenties. I got out of school, got out of college, moved to uh, a new area that I had never been before with a couple of friends and life kind of slapped me around a little bit. Um, keep in mind, you know, this was my first venture into adulthood, uh, living on my own, you know, even living in college is different than living on your own because you have more of a support system with, your campus and things are still kind of taken care of for you, especially as an athlete, you know, you have free meals, um, you have, you know, lights are on, you don't have to worry about the electric. You're just paying for whatever little things that you want to pay for outside of your scholarship. So when I moved to Northern Virginia, it was a reality check. You know, I got another job as a trainer, but I was working some really rough hours. I was working from, you know, 4 30 AM till 11 a.m. That was my first shift. I would go home, take a nap, work out, eat, come back and work out and train people again from 6 p.m. when they got off work till 9 p.m. at night. And then I would start it all over again. That was my Monday through Friday schedule. And then weekends, I'd have to come in on Saturday mornings and train people because 
Saturdays are when people can come in and train. So I was cutting my teeth. You know, at the time I would complain about it every week. I hated it, but I'm glad I did it because it taught me a lot. But I was still struggling to get my foothold as an adult man, not having the, you know, life lessons necessarily that I hope to pass on to my kids one day. My dad was very absent from my life and had been for quite some time. We had a terrible relationship, didn't even speak to each other. And I just felt alone, to be honest. I felt alone. And so fitness was something I continued to rely on, but I had a lot more stress this time because I felt like everything was on my shoulders. And I think a lot of young men go through this and knowing what I know now, a lot of it was normal. I hope that when my boys, because I have two, are older, I can be more of a support for them without handicapping them. (laughs) I want them to cut their teeth and build some resilience, but I also want to make sure that they avoid some of the things that I got myself into with bad habits and bad routines. So long story short, I started eating really poorly because I was trying to build a lot of muscle. I had this whole idea that at the time that to be a fitness expert, you had to be a bodybuilder. That was my belief. You know, you had to become a bodybuilder because the the fitness pros are these bodybuilder dudes. They're huge. They take a ton of steroids, um, but it all starts with getting bigger. So I was like, I'm going to try to max out my natural ability to get big. So I started eating whatever. And it led to me starting to stress eat. Mm. So when I was struggling, you know, to pay the bills or not even just to pay the bills, but like struggle to stay on top of everything, you know, from clients to paying all my bills to relationships to like trying to figure it out as a early 20 something. I would turn to things like Taco Bell because, oh yeah, I can go to Taco Bell and get (laughs) 10 soft tacos for like five bucks and it's all the calories I need for dinner plus another 2000 probably. And I was just eating like crap, dude. And it felt good for a few minutes, right? You'd eat, stress would come down and be like, oh man, I felt good. And then I'd be like, damn, I actually feel awful. (laughs) But the weight started to pack on, you know, I, I, I naturally gain weight relatively easily. Um, I wouldn't say I have tremendous fat loss genetics. I actually had pretty good muscle building genetics, but I gained weight rather easily. So the weight started to pack on and started to really come to a place where I just wasn't happy. Now I call it depression and it was, it was pretty severe depression. I have a history of suicide in my family. My uncle committed suicide. Uh, I won't say who, but a sibling of mine tried to commit suicide. Mm. I'll just protect their privacy, but they were in the hospital uh, because they they took sleeping pills, a lot of them, um, and tried to kill themselves, but they survived, thankfully. Yeah. But my uncle did not. He hung himself, actually. Um, and he was, in my opinion, the, the most funny, charming guy that I'd ever met. And so I know that in my family, there's a history of the suicidal tendencies, at least in my immediate family. And so I started to just have these thoughts of like, my wife, my life isn't worth living. You know, I'm not successful. I'll never be successful. I should have joined the military like my dad told me to, right? Because my dad growing up was just military or nothing. And I started to really question my future and what what I was even capable of, if anything. And so anyway, part of it, though, looking back, knowing what I know now, was I didn't have a few things, right? I didn't have a purpose. Hmm. I didn't have anything to wake up and work towards. I was just punching a clock. And then second of all, I wasn't taking care of my health. I wasn't eating well. My workouts were lackluster. Sure, I was packing on weight, but it wasn't muscle. I'd find that out later when I got super lean. <laughs> I'd only gained a little bit of muscle, which is really, really shocking when that happens. Right. But nonetheless, man, like I just didn't have some of the key ingredients that I think you need to avoid this, this, this depression state of mind. I didn't have a strong support circle. My community that I involved myself in was awful. Drinking, drugs partying, womanizing, chasing all the wrong things, comparing ourselves to others, like lying, stealing, cheating. Like it was awful, man. Mm. And it's no surprise looking back that I was depressed. I was like, if I wasn't depressed, I'd actually pretty be pretty surprised. Like I'd be shocked because mm. all the things I was doing clearly would lead to a bad, bad state. And what's wild, dude, and things always come full circle. But I remember I was doing all sorts of stuff to like make more money because I had this whole idea that I wasn't good enough, right? So the $60,000 I was making a year from being a personal trainer wasn't enough, right? Because I saw these people in this 
area where I lived in making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I thought I had to do something to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. So it's going to sound weird, but I actually, for a while I did, I was a pro poker player. Uh, I call myself a pro because I would play for a lot of money. Um, I got into poker in college and I was really good at it. And so I continued on after college while I was training people, I would play poker late at night. So I'd wake up with like two hours of sleep, um, go train people, play poker. And then I got out of training and I started selling things because I thought, oh, this is my ticket to make a lot of money because I'd actually train clients who were salesmen and they had a lot of money. So I was just chasing all these things to fill this void in me. But what's nuts is that when I had these thoughts of suicide and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? It was fitness that pulled me back into the light, right? That pulled me back out of the darkness. Now I, I, I credit my faith too, because I would pray a lot and I would be like, man, like someone come and save me. Well, someone did. Like I literally got hooked up with this online coach named Greg Plitt. Now he's passed away and he's no longer with us. And how old, how old were you at this time? Oh yeah, sure. When, uh, this was when I was 20, 23, 24. Okay. I was still in my early twenties. But, you know, I was out of eh, maybe even younger than that. It might have been 22 because keep in mind, you know, I was that old. I was the younger guy in, in an older grade. And so I went to college and I was 17. So I was done with school, 20, 21 years old. And, uh, you know, so I, I started my adulthood a little younger than sometimes people do. So anyway, Greg Plitt came across my radar and I joined his membership site. I think it was like $5 at the time. <laughs> it was super cheap. <laughs> Definitely not high ticket, Um, but it was five bucks. And he was one of the only guys that I can remember, at least back then, who was promoting fitness as a tool to improve your life. It wasn't about how you look like all his videos were mindset stuff, right? It was like, get up early, you know, before the sun rises, improve your life, right? Like nothing feels better than walking out of the gym, killing your workout and the sun's just coming up, right? You're already ahead of your goals. And I was like, damn, like this guy's speaking to me. Like, this is what I want, right? So I joined his program, started, just started getting slightly better with my habits. I wasn't all the way there. And it wasn't until I started just like, because of that, going back to the gym and then people who I had interacted with as a trainer, cause I had gotten out of training, people came up to me and were like, oh man, miss you, dude. Like, you know, helped me so much with fitness. And like, you were such a positive influence. And I'm like, damn, like I actually had been doing something worthwhile despite feeling like a total piece of crap. And I remember in that moment, like I call it a moment, but it was like a phase there where I was getting out of some bad habits where I, I just told myself, like, I know what I want to do. I want to do something with fitness. I don't know what it looks like yet. Maybe I'll do a membership site like Greg Plitt, but I know that my calling is something with fitness. And I just promised myself, I'm going to do it. I don't know how, don't know what, don't know what it's going to look like. No clue what it's going to be called. Nothing. I'm not one of those people that had like this perfect vision. I just knew what arena I wanted to be in. And I jumped into, and once again, still was chasing the bodybuilding thing, but I jumped into a bodybuilding competition in 2007 Hmm. and uh, gotten, this is where I lost the most of the weight. I gained some of it back. I will tell you that, but I had gained a ton of weight and I started, started tracking my weight. And really, and really quick, just uh, yeah. not to interrupt, but you mentioned that you were hanging out kind of with a bad crowd. Were you still hanging out with this crowd at this point or had you disassociated from that crowd? In a way, yes, but I had started getting away from it because I started hanging out with bodybuilding people. So I got linked up with some, there was a guy named Larry Waters, if he ever listens to this, which I'm sure he never will, but <laughs> he, he, I owe him a big, a big credit uh, of helping me get my life in order, uh, especially with the fitness side of things, because he was a bodybuilder. He had, he was like a, he was a Spartan dude. Like this guy didn't drink, didn't party, nothing. Like he was just like bodybuilding, you know, 24. It was probably, and he'd probably admit it too, probably an unhealthy obsession. But I was like, I'm doing so many unhealthy things, right? Trying to fill this, this void that it was nice to come to the other side, even though the other side was extreme too. At least I wasn't drinking. At least I wasn't smoking weed. I wasn't doing Coke, even though there's still some of that, right? Like I'd been doing some of that but I was like starting to replace a lot of those habits with more bodybuilding habits. Um, so yeah, I did my bodybuilding show. I, I didn't win. I got third, uh, but I got down to a body fat percentage that I never thought possible. Keep in mind, I'd never seen my abs until I did this bodybuilding show. You know, I didn't grow up with abs, even though I was a skinny kid, I never had abs. I was still at a belly and uh, I lost 65 pounds because I tracked it. 
So I went from 240, excuse me, 245-ish down to 180. Okay. So how long did that take you? Took me about six months. Now keep in mind, I didn't do it the healthy way. So I followed mostly a keto diet to get ready for that bodybuilding show. Uh, A keto diet, I I call it a keto diet. It was, (laughs) it actually technically wasn't keto. You just call it low carb, but it was framed as a keto diet at the time. It was basically six meals a day, chicken and peanut butter for like four of those meals. And then two meals with eggs. And that was my diet. It was awful. I freaking hated every second of it. Did an enormous amount of cardio. Looking back at my physique back then, oh man, it was it was awful. It was strung out, but I was super lean. You know, I got down to you know eight seven percent body fat, something like that. Really, really shredded, and uh, got into the bodybuilding show and got my butt kicked. But it was fun. Like I actually had a good time. And so, problem was I had never gotten down to that lean before. And so after the show. I rebounded fast, man, because I was like, I can't wait to eat pizza. I can't wait to eat donuts. You know, of course, I'd read all about the post diet rebound where you're going to gain all this muscle and thought, okay, I'm just going to eat my heart out and I'm going to get jacked. Right. Well, I got fat (laughs) again. I didn't go up though to 245 this time. I went up to 225. Okay. So keep in mind, I was still not healthy in the sense that I gained a ton of that weight back, 40 pounds of it, basically. So I said, all right. Nothing, nothing else to do, but do another bodybuilding show. Still hadn't learned my lesson yet, but in my head, at least I had self-belief now that I could do something like this. Um, I could get down to fat, uh, a low body fat. And this time around though, um, I actually entered into a transformation contest. Cause I was like, okay, this time I'm going to, I know what I'm doing, or at least I thought I did. And I'm going to do a transformation contest. And so I got a sponsorship from a company called muscle tech back then. And I sent them like my, my previous bodybuilding pictures, my current pictures where I was overweight again. And I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. You know, can you, you know, sponsor me? It was, it was weird how it worked, but it was basically you send in your pictures. They tell you yes or no. Yes. Okay, great. We're going to send you product every month. You promote it inside of forums and you do all this stuff. And at the end we'll take after pictures. And it's like this big deal. So they sent me, dude, I kid you not boxes of supplements back then, bro. Like this was insane. I had enough supplements to probably support a small sports team. <laughs> it was like, I kid you not. My girlfriend at the time, it was hilarious. She'd come, she'd come over and I'd have like eight boxes, like big boxes of supplements, like five things of everything. And they had a ton of products back then. I mean, it was like stuff. I didn't even, I don't remember half of what it was. It was all useless. The pills were like horse pills too. Like it, it was nuts, man. I wish I could. I wish we had social media like we like we do now back then. But uh, anyway, so I was doing all this this prep for this next show, and I actually won my next bodybuilding show. I took it so serious, and I cut down to 195 this time because I was I guess I had gained some muscle this time, so I cut down to 195, 195, 200 ish, and I won my class in this show. And I remember afterwards, I had this feeling of like, I don't think I can do that again. Right. Like it was kind of like I had kind of closed that chapter because it wasn't sustainable. I knew once again, I'm just dying to get over this diet. I can't wait to eat. Can't wait to feel normal again. And a big part of me was like, damn, like what, what am I like? How is fitness actually going to be my thing if I can't sustain this? Right. So anyway, for the next, this was, let's see, 2009, that was 2009. So for the next like four years or so, I really put a huge emphasis on educating myself. All right. Fitness became less of a per, I mean, it was a personal hobby still, but it was more of like, how do I actually help other people with this stuff? You know, how do I take the lessons I've learned and start sharing knowledge and helping people? And so I became an active user in a lot of these forums. And then when Facebook started to really blow up, I started posting, you know, fitness stuff on Facebook and sharing like things I was learning and then doing more research and then sharing what was working and what wasn't. I actually linked up with one of my best friends uh, in 2010 who became one of my best friends, this guy named Carlton. We started training together and he was on the same type of path, like learning fitness and like just became obsessed with learning. And uh, I met my soon, my future wife, uh, 2013 uh, we got uh, engaged. She got pregnant. 
And this is where things like really all came to a head because I started my online, my official like online coaching business because I felt I had learned enough to be an expert, at least to help people who were years behind me in development. And really quick, Josiah, so from like 2007 to like this time, 2013, what were you doing for your work? Were you still personal training or were you doing something else? So I was personal training part-time and I was, I started to coach people for free online actually. So uh, there's, you know, there was bodybuilding coaches online. They were like the pioneers behind online coaching. They would prep people for shows online. You know, you'd send them your pictures, they'd send you your diet. And it was like adjustments every week. So they were kind of like the the guinea pigs for online coaching. So I took a lot of the lessons I learned after hiring, because I had hired coaches, by the way, for my bodybuilding shows. It wasn't crazy expensive back then because nobody, nobody really knew what they were doing, right? It was kind of like just the wild, wild west. But I continued to serve people through training part-time, posting free content, coaching people for free online. But I was working in sales. I was working in uh, corporate America to pay the bills thinking, all right, at some point I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to have my own online business. Just was still wasn't sure what that looked like yet. So 2013, a lot of things happened. I started True Transformation. Uh, me and a, a buddy of mine thought of the idea and we started it officially. He later would exit the business to pursue other things, but we started it. I met my future wife and then things started to change rapidly because I started to realize like it was like a light went off and I'll tell you exactly what happened. But a light bulb went off when I realized the bodybuilding thing wasn't sustainable for most people, right? Eating six meals a day, boring chicken, rice, and broccoli, oatmeal, and egg whites just wasn't something that could like really apply to real life. You had to basically alienate yourself from real life to get results on that front. So I started really digging into like how to make this sustainable. So it wasn't until we got, my wife got pregnant that I actually had to put this into practice. So what happened was she got pregnant. She got really sick and everything I would cook, the healthy stuff, the egg whites and all that would make her ill just by the smell. So a couple of things started to happen. Number one, I didn't want to eat food during like normal hours because she was awake and I didn't want to like make her sick. She actually had to stop working. That's how sick she got because it was just a really rough pregnancy so she was home with me while I was working. I worked from home as a sales guy at the time or coaching people online. And like, just, I was always at home. So I'm cooking my food <laughs> every two hours. She's getting sick. And I'm like, this just, this isn't going to work. Right. Like sure, sure. she's way more important, you know, like how do I make this lifestyle friendly so that I can still hit my goals? So here's, <laughs> you're going to laugh people out there, you know, who've had kids, you understand this, like pregnancy is a, is a crazy thing. So we had nothing going on because she couldn't really leave the house as much as like she normally would. So I decided I'm going to get in phenomenal shape because I got nothing else going on. Like, what else am I going to do? You know, can't go party, can't go do much. So I'm just going to get ripped, go to the gym, come home. That was like my life. So I'm going to do a photo shoot before she has our son so that I can build like my brand, right? Like I really want to show my updated physique because I only had bodybuilding pictures and stuff. So... I was dieting, trying to follow this bodybuilding style of eating again. Wasn't working because she was getting sick. Couldn't eat during the day. So I discovered intermittent fasting. All right. Discovered intermittent fasting where I wouldn't eat during the day. She would go to bed and I would start my food later in the afternoon and evening. And I couldn't cook things that would make her sick. So I had to find recipes that like were foods that wouldn't make her sick, but would still allow me to hit the numbers I needed to hit. So I started doing like protein pancakes and like French toast and like sandwiches and stuff that didn't even require cooking at all. And I was losing weight and I'm like, damn, like, so I, I discovered all this stuff. Like I'd learned it, but I, I hadn't really put it into practice and until you put something into practice. It's hard for you to like really teach it effectively. Cause you only have the knowledge you've read or, or, you know, research, you don't actually have the firsthand experience. So long story short, dude, right before we had our first son, I gotten the best shape of my life using this new, like these new methods that. I'm sure many people used before, but to me it was brand new. And so I started sharing that to my clients and they started getting results. And then all of a sudden this, this shift in my head happened where I was like, dude, fitness is not supposed to be this like thing that you hate, right? It's supposed to be something that makes your life better. You know, you're supposed to enjoy it. You're supposed to enjoy your diet. Like I like waking up, looking forward to what I'm going to eat, right? I like controlling my appetite. I like not having to go to the gym every single day. And you don't need to go to the gym every day. 
You know, you don't even need to do traditional cardio. You can start doing things like going for a walk. That's just as good, if not better in some cases. You can still have a life and be in great shape. And then I had my son. Then 18 months later, she had our, our second son. So I went through the whole thing again. Lack of sleep, you know, for years and still managing to keep my fitness in check, despite it being way less volume and way less time spent in the gym way less meals, all that stuff, I was able to continue to get in better shape. And so that's where this true transformation brand really took off because I was relatable finally, right? I was relatable and I felt fully authentic, right? In my message that like, dude, I live and breathe this stuff now. I'm not just some young kid teaching you how to be a bodybuilder. You know, I'm not a kid who learned how to diet on six meals a day. I'm, I'm a guy, I'm a man who's got kids who's really started to master this stuff. And so that's been our, our message over the past decade, you know, of, Hey, fitness is the lowest hanging fruit. Number one, to improving all areas of your life. It's saved my life multiple times. It's improved every part of my life, but it doesn't have to suck. You know, it, it can be something like if you consider yourself a top performer, which is what I know you consider yourself to be. You're a high achiever. You're not afraid of hard work. You're a family man. You're, you, you go after the best version of yourself in all areas of your life. Well, a lot of guys like that, and even women too, but a lot of guys like that go, well, I, that means I can't do the fitness thing, right? You know, if I'm going to go be number one guy in my company, or I'm going to go start a company and be super successful, or I'm going to start a family, make sure they never worry about anything, you know, roof over their head, best of the best, you know, sports, everything's covered. I got it. But that means I can't be selfish and I can't go to the gym. Right. Or I'm going to have to eat what the kids are eating. I'm going to have to eat what the wife wants. And I'm not going to be able to stay in shape. And long term, that really starts to screw with someone's head because they want to consider themselves a high performer, but they don't have their body in check. And the body and the health is like one of the basic things that you need as someone who is high performer or high achiever. You just don't know it in some cases. Right. You wonder what's wrong with me? Like, why am I not feeling 100%? It's because that big piece of the puzzle is not there how you treat yourself. You know, if you don't treat yourself well, well, good luck finding long-term sustainable success. You might have pockets of success, but eventually your insecurity will show up. You know, eventually you'll start to self-sabotage because you don't feel worthy of success, but a lot of it is just coming down to how you take care of yourself. And so we've, we've helped thousands of guys over the past, you know, decade plus now just get a grasp on their fitness and find something that is sustainable so that they don't have that missing piece anymore. And that's, that's where we are today. That's who we help. That's who we serve. Um, we recently opened a female division to serve our high performing females, but I personally man the ship on the male front where, you know, the fellow men out there who want it all, who want to be successful, but also not sacrifice their health. That's who we help. That's how we do it. Love it. I mean, so many, you know, twists and turns in your story and, you know, ended up with you being as relatable with anyone once you had a family yourself. But, you know, it's just really cool to see see the journey. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't see is, you know, they see you as this kind of fit, ripped dad, you know, got a lot of things going on in a very positive direction today. But in reality, there was that journey to get there. So how do you shift that mindset for people? You know, I the kind of the quick fix, right? Like everyone out there wants the quick fix wants to do it right away. But as you just, you know, for those who are listening, just heard what Josiah said is that it's been a long-term journey for you. So how do you shift someone's mindset, especially if they are a high performer, which a lot of our listeners are to think that, you know, it's gotta be like a, a permanent lifestyle change. Yeah. You got to define success differently. Number one, you know, a lot of people define success as the big goal being achieved. And that's definitely part of success but they completely miss out on all the little things they can start doing right now to start winning every day and seeing success right away. You know, we say, oh, fitness can't be an overnight thing. Well, technically it can be. If you really think about it, you can go for a walk right now. Like we could stand up from this podcast. You go outside, go for a 30 minute walk. If you committed to doing that every day, you go do that just right now. That's an instant win for you. You know, we want the aesthetic to be instant, but the aesthetic takes time. The, the aesthetic is like, you know, starting a business, you know, if you start a business and you're doing all the right things, well, sometimes the money doesn't happen right away. 
people have to build your, you know, you have to build your brand. You have to build trust. You have to build community. And that's like fitness, but there's a lot of stuff going on underneath the surface that is success. You know, going and doing a 10 minute workout, that's success. If that's what you committed to doing and you go and do it, well, congrats. You should celebrate that. That is an instant result that you got. You know, we also have to put a huge amount of stock in how taking care of ourselves feels. You know, I make a post on a regular basis where I say, you know, waking up the day after hitting your goals feels 10 times better than waking up the day after not hitting your goals. And what I mean by that is we got to chase a feeling at first, not just the picture of what we think we're going to look like or how someone else looks that we want to model our body after. You know, we have to start looking at little ways to win every day as high performers. You know, it could be something as simple as like, hey, the next time the kids want to go to Chick-fil-A, instead of me ordering fries and a spicy chicken sandwich, I'm going to get the grilled nuggets and a diet Dr. Pepper instead, right? And like, just show yourself that you can you can say yes to the things that will help you and no to the things that won't. And I think that definition change of success is where we got to start because yeah, okay, a ripped eight pack may not happen right away. And it's okay, honestly, if it never happens, cool. Like you can get to a place where you're really proud of your body. You feel comfortable with your shirt off. You have abs. You don't know. Nobody walks around, to be honest, super shredded all the time. Like they just don't. It's impossible for most people. But you can be lean. You can be healthy. But most importantly, every single day, you can win just by committing to certain things that are sustainable and doing them like actually doing them and going, boom, I just did it. Don't give a shit about how I look right now. You know, I just care that I went to the gym for 10 minutes when I didn't feel like going. I just care that the next meal I, I eat is healthy. Damn, damn well I did it, right? Just care about spending quality time with my kids today. Like I don't need to be handed an award for the world's greatest dad. That might come later. But right now I committed to go playing football with my kids for 10 minutes. Don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to go do it. That's a win. So everything we do with fitness can be applied to everything else. You know, it's, it's so funny. Like imagine, and this is a great post. I should probably make this one, but imagine if we treated every area of our life that we care about the way we try to treat our fitness. Oh, all, all I want is I want, I want grandkids today, man. Like I want my kids to be successful and have grandkids today. You'd be like, are you, are you high? Your kids are eight. Why would you say that? Well, what do you mean? I just want it now. Like I want it now. No, you don't. No, you don't. You want to enjoy the journey. You want to enjoy the time with them. You want to cultivate these relationships. You want time to slow down, if anything else. Why is that? Well, because you value that time with them. You value the journey. Well, the same is true of fitness, dude. Like I could snap my fingers and you'd have the body of your dreams right now. Well, there's two things that will happen. One, you'll lose it. Number one, because you had no clue how you got it. So you won't be able to continue on because you it's like, you know, you'll be it's like planting you in the middle of nowhere. You won't know how you got there. You'll be lost. You'll lose it quickly. And the most important thing is you won't even appreciate it. You won't treat it well because you didn't earn it. Right. So if you don't earn something, you don't put a lot of value on it. So you'll quickly lose it because you don't know how you got there and you don't appreciate it. So I think us high performers need to realize that we've learned some valuable lessons in areas of our life. We just got to apply them to fitness. We already know what we, what we need to know. We just got to take action. Love that answer. So another question that, you know, a lot of people have is like, well, they see you, you know, you're like father, business owner, homeowner, like husband, like you got a lot of, a lot of balls, you know, in the air. Right. So a lot of people are, have the best intentions, but you know, time management and just prioritizing things can be challenging for a lot of people to, you know, try to quote unquote, fit everything in. So how do you fit everything in, in your life? It's funny that word challenging. I always ask my clients, you know, challenging compared to what, you know, it's like, we, we have all these things where, Oh yeah, I got to do this. But it's like, damn, you, you're lucky. You know, you got a lot going on. That's awesome. Like there's people out there who don't have a whole lot going on. Be thankful that you got a lot going on. That's like the number one shift I would say. Because when you look at it in that way, you go, well, damn, like this ain't that hard, right? Like I actually, I enjoy this. I enjoy being the superhero, right? And being the person who can handle it all. Like that's got to be your vision of yourself. You know, the person who can just crush it on every level. You're reliable. People can count on you, right? 
so I start with that vision in mind, you know, when little things pop up in my day and I don't want to do it, you know, my wife hits me up and is like, Hey, can you go do something from, for your mother-in-law? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to <laughs> do that. <laughs> I got 18, I run a million dollar business. Why, why would I do that? Right. For sure. But it's like, that's who you are though. You've created this person. You want to be this person. You want to be the person that people call when they need something. Right. And you don't want to be this person who's a fat, lazy slob who hates himself, who nobody ever calls, nobody ever can count on, nobody ever relies on them. You don't pick up the tab. You're not that guy, right? No, you want that. So with great power comes great responsibility, as the famous Spider-Man movie says, right? And it's true. So, you know, I have a lot of balls in the air, sure. Um, but I'm thankful for it. You know, I'm thankful for it because... I know firsthand there's people and I've experienced, you know, I've experienced the other end of the spectrum. I've experienced not having a whole lot going on sucks. Right. Um, and I know there are people out there who would, would trade places with me. Right. In a heartbeat. Uh, and I think that's true for a lot of us. We just don't realize it now. It's okay. I will just add this. It's okay to acknowledge that. Yes. Some things are stressful. Yes. Some things are difficult. Some things are challenging. And it's okay to acknowledge that, yes, that is what I'm feeling. What I think we get stuck on, though, is staying in that feeling and not taking action. Instead, we make things more challenging for ourselves by having self-pity, crying over it, whining over it, and then going and eating whatever we want to lower our stress, right? Instead of doing like, like I tell guys all the time, and I learned this from a guy uh, who, who uh, did time in prison. He said, you know, push-ups. When you're feeling stressed, just do some push-ups, man. It does the same shit as going and eating a burger. True. It does. It it told just like for those listening, try it. Like if you're a girl and you don't, you know, you can't do push-ups. I'm not being sexist, by the way. <laughs> I'm just saying some people can't do push-ups, guys included. But if you're like, well, I can't do push-ups, cool. Do some squats. Do something. Jumping jacks. Stand up from your desk. Do something, right? Do something active. You'll realize that you're just managing your stress in a better way versus creating more stress by doing something that literally stresses the body out, like eating or smoking or drinking or whatever, watching porn or whatever it is that your thing is that you think is just a stress relief and an outlet, but really it's a, it's a producer of more stress. So that's how I do it. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'm happy to share specifics of time management and what I do, but I will never paint a picture of perfection because we all have our moments. But for me, I just have the things that I come back to, which is my vision for myself. Number one, you know, at the end of the day, what do I, how do I see myself? If I don't buy into the vision I have, well, I'm probably going to screw up. Right. So I buy into my vision hundred percent. I, I buy into top producer, successful leader, pillar of fitness, pillar of fatherhood, you know, a pillar of, of someone you can rely on, who's trustworthy, who has morals, who has values, you know, that's who I am. So when I'm faced with a decision around what to do or what not to do, my question is always around is not doing this, hurting the picture of myself, or is doing this part of the vision I have for myself? And if the answer is part of it, then I roll with it. Love that answer so much deeper than just the individual tactics, but the overall mindset and frameworks which you build around your life to help drive the decisions that you make. 100%, brother. Love that. Love that. Well, I know we're coming up on time here, but I always like to finish with two questions. So the first question is, you know, a lot of people are listening to this right now and, you know, probably want to find out more about you. So where can people find you? Everywhere. <laughs> you can't miss me. Uh, no, I mean, easiest place to connect is probably for now. I mean, we have a lot of different channels, but I'd say Facebook's a probably a good starting point. Uh, just search Josiah Novak on Facebook and you'll find me. Uh, we do have a podcast, the true transformation podcast. We have a YouTube channel. If you search my name on YouTube, you'll see it. Uh, and then we post on every platform. So it comes down to where you spend the most time. You know, if you're like, Hey, I'm on Twitter all the time. Are you on Twitter? Yeah. We're on Twitter posts all the time. Um, so just connect with me wherever you are. It's that's what I tell people and you'll find me and we'll, we'll start the, the process of sharing information. Absolutely. And yeah, we'll post the links in the show notes as well. And then the last question is 
when it's all said and done, let's say, you know, you've lived your life, you're at the end of your life. How do you want to be remembered? It's a really good question, man. Um, I want to be remembered for someone who was authentic and authentic with my beliefs, authentic with my struggles, authentic with every person that I come in contact with. I said what needed to be said. It wasn't always what you wanted to hear, but it's what you needed to hear. If everyone at my funeral says, Josiah told me what I needed to hear, man, I'll be, I'll be a very happy person. Um, and I think that that's how I, I, I raise my kids. Um, I probably piss my wife off <laughs> by being that way, but at least you can rely on me to not pull any punches and not sugarcoat anything. But I know it's uh, it's an edgy approach and in today's world. It can be challenging at times to navigate waters that are really easy to upset. But at the end of the day, I can sleep well at night knowing that oftentimes I just told everyone what I'm telling myself. You know, the advice I give people is the same advice I give myself. So at the end of my life, I'll be happy because I wrote the book on how I coach myself. And I hope that it helped the people that interacted with that content and that, that message. And so that's how I'd want to be remembered at the end of things. Awesome, man. I, I love it. hundred percent resonate with that. And again, for those listening, I'm sure they got a lot out of this episode and definitely go connect with Josiah. As I mentioned, he's got a, a big following out there, posts a lot of content, definitely has a lot of great things to say, both fitness, life, family, and just everything else. So Josiah really appreciate you coming on today and appreciate your time. Luke, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you, dude. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And if you found this content valuable, you can connect with me by joining my free men's fitness and health Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash groups slash men's fitness and health. It's linked in the show notes. Make sure to leave us a five-star rating and review so our show can grow and reach more people. Talk soon.